Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I love Anchor because it allows me to record without having to spend thousands of dollars on equipment that I would probably have difficulty using anyways. So Anchor makes it all possible with a simple app. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me, Lou Mavs, and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. You're listening to the Music is Life podcast with your host, Lou Mavs. On the Rat Sound Review Network. Welcome to the Music is Live podcast. This is your host, Lou Mavs. Hope everyone's doing all right out there. A very happy Veterans Day to everyone. Please don't forget to thank a veteran for their service. Anyways, uh, it's been kind of a uh, slow news week. The biggest thing that I just found out is that apparently Rich and Chris Robinson of the Black Crows have finally made up. They kissed and made up. I'm very torn about this, and I'll explain why. I love the Black Crows. I've loved them since I was 10 years old, and I first heard, well, saw, first saw, first seen, when I originally viewed MTV back in 1990, and I saw the music video for Hard to Handle. And at the time, I didn't realize it was a cover of a 60s uh, R&B song, but I'll tell you, they did such a great version of that, and they made it their own. And then, of course, you know, discovered other songs by the Black Crows, such as She Talks to Angels, Twice as Hard, Jealous Again, and I really became a fan of theirs with their second album, The Southern Harmony and Musical Companion. That was probably the first Black Crows album I ever owned. And so many great songs on that. Um, Side One alone has Sting Me, Remedy, Thorn of My Pride, and Sometimes Salvation. But I always knew that the Robinson brothers hated each other. (laughs) Uh, And I always knew that their drummer, Steve Gorman, was sort of the glue that tried to keep them together and keep them focused. I mean, these are two brothers that probably hated each other as much as the Gallagher brothers of Oasis. Uh, The only difference is Oasis didn't have a mediator like Steve Gorman. So all the credit in the world to Steve Gorman for trying to keep those brothers in check. But, you know, like anyone, there's only so much you can handle of drama, regardless of how successful the band is. And uh, God knows that their drama was well publicized. Anyways, 
part of me really wants to be happy that the Black Crows are back. But when I saw the other members of the lineup, I was like, uh, where's Mark Ford? Where's Johnny Colt? Where's Steve Gorman? I know Jeff Cease is now playing guitar for uh, a country musician, uh, Eric Church. I know he's in his band. So, you know, good on um, good on Jeff Cease for that. But I also knew that Mark Ford was playing with, I believe it was uh, Rich Robinson in the Magpie Salute, I think they were called, which was sort of Rich Robinson's return to performing Black Crow's music. But anyway, yeah, I'm just seeing that none of the other members who were there from the original lineup to the more the more recent lineup are nowhere to be seen, which I'm just like, I'm flabbergasted by it. Yes, I said flabbergasted. Um, I think it's a huge mistake and I think it's a money grab. Why do I think it's a money grab? Because, you know, I'm no spring chicken. <laughs> I remember when some of my favorite bands of the 70s united or reunited in the 90s and it was all a huge money grab when ufo reunited with michael shanker money grab when kiss reunited with the original four members money grab when black sabbath reunited with ozzy money grab i'm sure i could keep going i will say this twitz's sister was probably the one band when they reunited for New York Steel in 2001, it was not a money grab. It was for charity. It was to raise money for NYPD and FDNY after 9-11 occurred. So, when you have Twisted Sister as the mark of integrity in rock and roll music, What does that say about these bands who reunite for the just for the money? And look, I'm 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 no socialist, okay? Make your money. Definitely do what you gotta do to pay your bills, take care of your family, you know, pay your debts, pay your alimony, whatever. We all know that Chris Robinson was in a marriage with uh Kate Hudson, then they divorced and she ran off with Matt Bellamy, and they had a kid, and but they never got married, and then Kate Hudson went off with, I don't know who she's with right now, but regardless, make that money, not saying not to, but at the same time, though, do you really expect me to believe that the Robinson brothers are best friends right now? I don't think so. I really don't think so, and I think anybody would be a fool to think that this is anything but a money grab. Still, I'm glad they're back together. I'm not upset by it. I just, I'm just calling it how I see it. I'm hoping that they last this tour at least because they're doing a 30th anniversary tour of Shake Your Moneymaker, their debut album. I wish them all the best in the world and hopefully they don't kill each other by the first show, let alone by the middle of the tour or by the end of the tour. All right, because, I mean, to me, a world with the Black Crows is better than one without the Black Crows. Still, 
Uh, I don't know if I would go see it only because I'm a purist. I love the lineup that made the Black Crows what they were. And, you know, for me, their, their first five albums, uh, to me, like that's Black Crows right there. So even if you got any of the members that played on the album, Shake Your Moneymaker, Southern Harmony, Musical Companion, Amorica, Three Snakes and a Charm, or uh, By Your Side, if, if you got any of those guys to be in the lineup, I would have been happy about it. I really would have. I would even even considered going to see it, but... Uh, I, I, in good conscience, I can't. I mean, I, I, as important as the Robinson brothers are to the Black Crows, because, you know, they formed it. Um, You know, it's like when Black Sabbath toured without Bill Ward. In good conscience, I couldn't see it. Because it was not Black Sabbath to me. Black Sabbath was always Ozzy, Geezer Butler, Tony Iommi, and Bill Ward. And that's not a knock on Tommy Clufettos, but that's not Sabbath. You know, Bill Ward's drumming was a huge factor in Sabbath sound. And I couldn't see the reunion tour or the farewell tour. Especially because the three times I saw Black Sabbath, it was the same set list. Which again proves to me money grab. Regardless, as I was saying, wish the Black Crows all the best. I'm not begrudging anyone to go see the concert. You know, if you love that album, Shake Your Money Maker, go, have fun. Uh, wish I could be there with you, but in good conscience, I just can't. So, that's the only thing I could say about that. Um, what else is going on? Let's see. Hard Drive has a show coming up. This Friday night at Treme and Islip, where we will be playing for four hours. So if you want to come check us out, it's $10 entrance. And you get to sit down, you get to order food. But I would suggest if you're going to come to Treme and Islip, uh, please call in advance and make a reservation. Uh, only because booths will definitely get uh, swooped up very quickly. So let's see, where am I right now? Right now I am in Le Studio Toyota Corolla, which is my car, because I don't want to wake up my wife or my daughter or my dog. You know, I try to be very conscious about this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, nice ambience. It's warm enough outside where it's like, you know, I'm not melting in my car and it's not cold enough where I'm freezing. So... Once it gets in the dead of winter, I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do. But, you know, I have time to figure that out. Anyways, so what else has been going on? Um, Wow, totally forgot about this. But apparently there's been a little trouble within the KISS camp. And it's not with the current lineup. But apparently it was with Bruce Kulick their guitarist who joined them for the Animalized tour and stayed with them up until Carnival of Souls, of whom I've had the pleasure of interviewing from my college radio station when he was in Union. And hell of a nice guy. Great interviewer. Um, well, great, great, great interview. I was the interviewer. <laughs> but a uh, very nice guy to talk to. And I uh, really appreciated that he took 20 minutes out of his day to... Uh, 
talk with me. Um, so his brother, Bob Kulik, who actually, not sure if a lot of people know this, but he auditioned for Kiss back in the day, right before Ace Frehley. And Ace ended up getting the job only because they just liked Ace's sound better. You know, his, uh, his soloing style, his tone, uh, his mannerisms. And if you ever watch any of that old Kiss footage with Ace, you'd see, you'd see for yourself that he was definitely a perfect fit for them. Uh, look wise, sound wise, attitude wise. Um, you know, I don't think you could have had Kiss without Ace Frehley personally. Um, a huge Ace fan, uh, regardless of the amount of drugs that he's taken and the amount of, uh, people that he may have, uh, you know, I don't want to say screwed over or hurt in the process, but okay. They didn't do right by there. Okay. Um, but to me, he was definitely an integral part of the early kiss sound. And Bob Kulik himself is no slouch. You know, he's a very good guitar player. Uh, he ghost tracked on many songs for kiss in the seventies and eighties. Uh, he did three solos on the studio version of Alive 2, the studio side, which is side four, or the second half of this two, depending on if you have a vinyl or the CD of it. He played lead guitar on Paul Stanley's solo album in 1978. He also did the uh, solos for the Killers compilation, which at the time was exclusively available only in Europe, but now has been made available in the United States. So he actually played on the songs I'm a Legend Tonight, Down on Your Knees, Nowhere to Run, which is a killer song, and Partners in Crime. And I think he was actually allowed to be more like himself on those songs as opposed to the Alive 2 albums where they told him, play like Ace. Uh, I just want to quote Ralph Vieira from the Rock and Metal Combat podcast and uh, the Vieira Vault. But Bob Kulik was basically Tommy Thayer before Tommy Thayer was Ace Frehley. <laughs> I got to chuckle out of that because it's true. But, you know, so Bob Kulik was heavily involved with the Kiss Camp behind the scenes. Um, and his he recommended his brother Bruce to join them. For the Animalize tour, and Bruce actually recorded uh, a couple of solos on the Animalize album. He was, I think you could find him on the two songs, uh, Lonely as the Hunter and Murder in High Heels. I was about to say Hell in High Heels, but that's a Molly Crew song. And then he joined them for the Animalize tour. And I've always been a fan of Bruce Killick's playing, but regardless. So. Bruce was on the Kiss Cruise, uh, formed the band to play his era Kiss material. So he did a lot of stuff from Animalize, Asylum, uh, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, Revenge, and um, Carnival of Souls. But apparently him and his brother had a falling out over merchandising and what to do. And apparently it got so bad that now Bruce has put a restraining order on Bob. This is the part of the music industry that kills me when it takes family members and it pulls them apart. Um, but I can't say that the blame should be solely on the music industry. 
you got to take you, the the individuals involved also have to take accountability for their actions. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, I'm not an only child. I had two brothers, my eldest brother, Tony, and my older brother, Mike, who had passed away four years ago. Um, the three of us were the best of friends. And we also beat the crap out of each other because that's what brothers do. But we never let things get in the way of our brotherhood. We never let money get in the way of our brotherhood. We never let um, differences of opinion get in the way of our brotherhood. You know, we we were brothers to the end and we loved each other very much. And, you know, we were always there for each other. So when I hear about things like this, brothers in the music industry at odds over things such as contracts or whatever, and Bruce has really kept silent about the whole thing only because I don't think he wants to get into a mudslinging contest with Bob, but Bob's been very vocal about it, even so far as to say that Bruce put a restraining order on him and insulting Bruce's wife and calling her a fat pig or, you know, things like that. I'm just like, wow, do you, do you really have to go there? That's like bottom of the barrel mud scraping to do that. Uh, a lot of people think that uh, Bob Kulik has sort of turned into a Fredo right now. You know, I'm smart, not dumb, like people say. He's constantly dropping the fact that he won a Grammy, that he played for Diana Ross and Meatloaf and this and that. And I'm just like, dude, if you really got to continue to talk about your accomplishments, then it's obvious that you yourself, uh, you're out there seeking validation. I mean, really, let your work speak for itself. You worked with Motorhead. You recorded songs for the WWE recorded by Motorhead for Triple H. You worked with Dio. You've, you've produced some of the best tribute albums. You put together musicians of the highest caliber on, on tracks paying tribute to some of the classic artists. Artists as classic as Alice Cooper, The Beatles... Um, Iron Maiden, you know, you, you were involved in a lot. So, you know, I know who you are. I may not be able to decipher your guitar style from somebody else's, but I know who you are and I know your accomplishments. Stop bragging about it. I mean, really, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's juvenile. Um, you know, I mean, I make it a point of reminding people, you know, I mean, I, I do remind people, hey, I have a podcast if you want to listen, but I'm not going to be butthurt about it if people don't listen to it because I'm still going to continue to put content out there. And if it picks up, great. If it doesn't pick up, great. I'm still going to do it, you know, and whatever accomplishments I do achieve, you know, I, hey, I'll just put them under my hat and be like, hey, Lou, Job well done. Now keep it to yourself. Shut up and move on. On to the next episode. You know, that's what I loved about Lemmy because he never dwelled on past glory. He just kept putting stuff out there and working it and pleasing his audiences by playing great songs on stage. You know, uh, that's why I consider Lemmy Kilmeister a hero. Bob Kulik, on the other hand, I don't know. Dude, what are you trying to do? I I mean, Grammys are meaningless. All right, so you won a Grammy for producing a Motorhead song, which was a cover of a Metallica song. Okay? I mean, all due respect, Metallica were the ones who wrote the song, so in the end, they get the Grammy for being the songwriters of the songs. Motorhead was the performer. 
you were the producer behind it. Oh, yeah, that's all fine and dandy. But, I mean, let's not get it twisted. You know, uh, Grammys are meaningless. People don't get, don't want to become musicians. They don't, I, I am convinced people do not pick up an instrument to learn it so they could either A, get a Grammy or B, get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I really don't think so. You know, people pick up an instrument out of sheer enjoyment. And people continue to play an instrument out of sheer enjoyment. And if you make a living out of it, just the only advice that I have to give to people, don't let it become a chore because then you're going to be probably begin to resent, you know, what it is that you do. Unless you want to do it, you know, that way, you want to tour 300 days a year, that's the lifestyle that you want to live. If it is, God bless you. Go forth and, and, and conquer. You know what I mean? Like, if, if, if that's what you want to do. And again, it just reminds me of, like, musicians in the 70s where that's all they did and that's all they still do because it's all they know. They can't just quit, you know, being in the music industry and go take up a full-time job at Starbucks. They wouldn't know what to do. So a lot of them that have had success in the past, but still look to that old success to validate what they're doing today, um, they'll still continue to live in past glories, which I think is a huge mistake. And I think it's not a good example to provide for younger musicians. You know, it's like I tell them, if your stuff is good, you know, just put it out there. The money will come later. Just keep putting your content on there so you get that recognition. So that one day, you know, hopefully it works out that the right person hears it at the right time and you can uh, capitalize off of it. As far as Bob Kulik is concerned, you know, I think he's an incredibly talented person, you know, musician, producer, um, even songwriter. I did forget he was involved in one of the best SpongeBob SquarePants episodes with the song Sweet Victory. I love that episode. I love that song. But regardless, uh, you know, so right now he's going through this big dispute with his brother. Uh, Bruce put a restraining order on him and he's gone off the deep end in terms of uh, destroying Bruce's character. Bruce isn't saying anything. I'm sure he doesn't want to get into a public online feud or mudslinging contest with his brother. So I give all the credit in the world to, to Bruce for having the emotional intelligence just to keep his mouth shut and just doing what he's doing. Bob Kulik, on the other hand, I wish I could say the same. I think it would behoove you just s- stop it. Okay. Get your head out of your ass. Forget the Grammy. Um, you want some of that kiss money that Bruce is getting for, uh, you know, the merchandise that he's giving him and the product that he's giving him for them to sell. Stop arguing with your brother. You got, you will only, you only live once. So make the best of it and just stop it. You you don't need the validation of people recognizing that you want a Grammy. Like Ralph Vieira said it himself. You know who else won a Grammy? Millie Vanilli. That's all I got to say about that. Ralph is 100% right. And I'm not ripping him off when I'm saying this. I'm giving credit where credit is due. He's 100% correct. And I agree with him wholeheartedly. So, you know, 
I I wish that Bob would, uh, you know, find it in his heart to just stop the BS, sit down, talk with his brother and work it out. Because, you know, to me, brotherhood is, you know, your brothers are... I just hate seeing siblings argue, you know, over something like money. I mean, I'm sure you guys could sit down and talk it through. You know, God help you if one day that person's not around anymore. You know, what are you going to do then? Who are you going to bitch at next? Come on now. (sighs) Anyway, so yeah, that was kind of a personal subject, but whatever. I'm glad I got it out there. In other music news, Rage Against the Machine is reunited. All four original members. 1995 never seemed so clear or stupid. It's not stupid. It's advanced. No, it's pretty stupid if you ask me. You know, because they're going to be preaching their political message of socialism and capitalizing off of communism and at 39 years old, 20 years after I saw them in concert, I've come to the conclusion that it's just not for me anymore. And I'm even kicking myself in the ass for even buying into what they were selling me back in the day. But I guess when you're a young revolutionary, it's, uh, you know, commonplace to try to, you know, be angry about something. But you know, I'm not saying that I'm tamed in my older age, but at the same time, I'm a lot smarter on civics and, you know, social events and, sorry, current events and, 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 and social studies and things like that. So, you know, raging as a machine reuniting, money grab. <laughs> at least Tool never broke up. And I will say this, Tools, Fear, Inoculum. So far, my favorite album of 2019. I suggest people go out there and check it out. Um, but while I've also been trying to discover some new music out there, I have been discovering some music that I never listened to before in my life. Uh, my friend John Vulo, who's uh, one of the two guitar players in the band Terriginous, uh, he actually posts content on the Terriginous YouTube page where he's breaking down the music of Alan Holdsworth. And I was asking myself, Alan Holdsworth, I know I heard that name before so many times. Um, back in the day, I used to be a really big reader of Guitar World and Guitar for the Practicing Musician and Guitar Player. And Alan Holdsworth was a guy that was in almost every other issue. I mean, like, you couldn't not see him in an issue of any of those guitar magazines without him holding uh, either his Steinberger or one of his Carvins, uh, both headless guitars, or even his MIDI guitar. And... You know, unfortunately, Alan Holdsworth passed away about two years ago at the age of 70 uh, due to heart failure. Um, My condolences to his family. So I finally uh, decided to actually listen to some of his albums on Apple uh, Music. And all I got to say is this. 
holy cow, what a guitar player. I mean, I, I the stuff that he does with six strings, I mean, his picking, his phrasing, his chord structures, insane. I mean, this guy was on a completely different level of musical intelligence. And the more I was looking up his stuff, and the more I was, you know, reading about him, you know, through articles on the internet, I started to ask myself, you know, how come he was never bigger than he really was? And the more I listened to his music, the more I realized he was not writing for public consumption in the same way that the Beach Boys wrote a pop song. You know, he said it himself in an interview from Canada one time. He said he could write a three-minute pop song, but he didn't want to because it didn't uh, please him. And you got to respect that. You got to respect that integrity. Unfortunately, with a lot of musicians from that era, 60s, 70s, and including the 80s, a lot of musicians solely focused on the music without thinking about the business aspect of it. And one of my biggest pieces of, of advice that I give to musicians, I said, you know, make sure you uh, are completely up to date on accounting and legal matters or save enough money and keep a retainer because... One of these days, you're going to need an accountant to make sure that your money's in check. And one of these days, you're going to need a lawyer to protect your rights as a musician, if you want to get to that point. Alan Holdsworth was a musical genius. As a businessman, it's a different story. Uh, I read that he actually sold a lot of his instruments to pay bills and, and, and make ends meet, you know, and he was living a life of uh, poverty in uh, England until he moved to California with his band and started uh, developing a following. And uh, it was even Eddie Van Halen who uh, helped him get Ted Templeman to produce uh, one of his EPs, which is a, you know, some phenomenal work that he did. But at the same time, though, you know, uh, Alan Holdsworth was a musician who was all about the art, not about the business, not about, uh, you know, like you would have never seen them on MTV. You couldn't put any of his stuff next to Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam or uh, Bang Tango. You know what I mean? Like his his musical vocabulary and his talent was on a level that surpassed almost anyone else. And I think it's tragic that someone of his caliber of talent, uh, both, you know, songwriting-wise and, uh, and, and, and performance-wise, he never got the credit that he was due, and he was never able to really live... Uh, to prosper, really, from uh, his music. You know, he constantly had a tour, but he knew that in the United States he couldn't sell arenas out, so he was always playing clubs like the Iridium, the jazz club in the city, you know, which could probably fit only about 100 people. I don't know how much he charged for tickets, uh, 
but um you know the the man was a genius he really was and i now consider myself an Alan Holdsworth fan um and it really is a tragic story because you know he he never it, it pains me that he never got the recognition that he deserved um if any musicians out there are interested in finding a guitar player that they could get different ideas from or to make them uh, push harder to be more innovative with their style, I would definitely suggest listen to Alan Holdsworth's music. But don't pursue his business practices, which were limited to none whatsoever, uh, which is a damn shame. Um, you know, he knew he was never going to be a millionaire from what he was doing, but he did it anyways. Uh, and there are a lot of musicians out there who wish that they could make a living from their music. You know, thankfully, there are sources uh, for you to monetarily be compensated for your talent if you put the onus on yourself and don't rely on a label. You know, if you get streams on YouTube, if you get streams on Spotify, if you get streams on um, Apple Music, you know, you can capitalize off it. Not all at once, but at the same time, it's uh, it's definitely a way for you to bring in some extra cash. But up until this point, you should recognize that your musical ambitions are a hobby. All right. There's nothing wrong with working a full time job to allow you to have the funds and the means for you to pursue music on the side. You know, maybe if Alan Holdsworth was in a position where he was a guitar instructor or uh, someone who was a spokesperson for like, let's say, uh, Carving Guitars or Steinberger or whatever, you know, he probably would have fared better than just being a musician. You know, jazz fusion was huge in the 70s. By the 80s, though, you didn't see it as much on the top uh, 200, which is a shame because I do like a lot of jazz fusion. But, you know, the cautionary tale of Alan Holdsworth is something that musicians of today should take heed of. You know, I mean, Alan Holdsworth... Phenomenal musician, rest in peace. Um, you know, I'm sorry for the for for your family's loss, but you know, just letting the listeners out there who may want to pursue music remember: up until you get your first million dollar check, or if you're just constantly saving your money that you get from music and putting it aside, you know, just be smart about how you want to pursue music. You know what I mean? Just be smart about it. You know, do your homework. Look at copyright law. Look at publishing. Look at an attorney who'd be willing to work with you, an accountant who'd be willing to work with you. Or even do your due diligence and take those classes. You know, save up your money and take some classes on business law, you know, music business law, uh, it, it, it would it would definitely benefit you. But, 
you know, thank you to Alan Holdsworth for leaving us decades of great music. You know, I would suggest if you're looking for anything in particular to listen to, listen to all of it. What do you got to lose? Anyways, I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. Going to name drop some podcasts right now for you to check out. First of all, again, all the praise in the world to Wayne Noon, Uncle Saxon, and Greg. Uh, all you guys at the Ratsaw Review Network for hosting my podcast. Once again, thank you again. And uh, check out their uh, review show, uh, for, you know, the Ratsaw Review. Um, once again, very entertaining stuff. Uh, check out J. Cam Morris and Yakuza Kick Radio. Check out Shaheen over at Wrestling Overdose. He was just at StarCast this week. And, uh, you know, hope you did well with uh, your nuclear hate, nuclear hate graphics, dude. Uh, what else? Check out Ralph Vieira over at Vieira Vault. And as part of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast with Ian Wadley. Check out uh, Aaron and Chris over at Decibel Geek. Dave and Dave over at Dave and Data Chained, Unchained, a Van Halen uh, podcast. And finally, to Josh and Nesbitt over at Talking Maiden. Check those podcasts out when you get a chance. Anyways, I got a work day tomorrow. I'm going to bed. Hope you're doing well. Hit me up on the Facebook over at Music is Life Lou Mavs. And you could also do the same on Instagram. All right. And don't forget, Hard Drive Band. Uh, check us out at harddriveband.com. Come see us this Friday night, November 15th, over at Treme and Islip. We're playing 8 to 4. Remember, it's a $10 admission. And call in advance to reserve a table. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. This is Lou Mavs of the Music is Life podcast signing off. Have a good one.